Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you. Wherever you may be, this is your host, Bruce Ash, along with co-host... Ed Wilkinson. And even Eric Rudin, broadcasting live from the modern KVOI broadcast complex here in Tucson, Arizona, welcoming you to a toasty Tucson Peace Officers Memorial Day edition of Inside Track. Yeah? Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We welcome your calls today on the Essential Pest Live Line at 790-2040. And before we get rolling, let me remind you that Inside Track is brought to you by our great sponsors, Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Works. Also, uh, their junk is your treasure. Call Jamie or Craig at 209-1576. Actually, this week you're going to have to call Craig because uh, Jamie is riding a bike with her with her dad, mom, sister, and their husbands in uh, southern France. They're having a good time. Wow. Business then, has been very, very good at Tucson it, Iron and Metal. Very, Circle. very good. Yeah, and Eric Rudin, he loved the ad so much he decided to sit into the studio today. Uh, Essential Pest Control, who shares your dislike of bugs, vermin and weeds call the essential team at 886-3029 and eric you're going to be hosting our memorial day weekend show uh, that is true good uh also make sure you call joy and ally at corazon cabinets high quality cabinets for your home you will love at a price you can afford call the corazon kids at 488-2266 also supporting Inside Track is my friend and Inside Track co-host, Eb Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. Eb creates wealth, wealth for gun owners like you. Call him Monday at 777-1911. All of our sponsors are locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend upon. Eb and I do. So should you, Eb. Hey, Bruce, we've got a great show this afternoon. Our first guest after the rundown today is our old friend, former longtime NRA board member, 2A activist, and lobbyist for all issues 2A, Todd Rathner. Our topic, something we don't spend enough time talking about, knife rights. That's right. After the bottom of the hour break, we welcome Republican Party candidate for Congress in CD6. Kathleen Wynn. Woohoo! <laughs> and now the rundown brought to you by Wilkinson Wealth Management. Our friend Eb Wilkinson says... He never wants you to depend upon Social Security. Just listen to his advice. Perhaps as a signal to all Republican officeholders that persecutors of former President Trump are running low on firepower after failing to get an indictment on other issues recently in New York State. Politically motivated persecutors are now pursuing an inquiry into Trump's handling of classified material. Their goal is not justice, it's political harassment of an elected official using taxpayer money to keep him pinned down and dissuade Trump from running again for president in 2024. Has America turned into a banana republic where political trials abound and elections are crooked? Seems so to many citizens, Eb. Yeah, anti-life activists continue their protests and threats against SCOTUS justices this week. A report surfaced yesterday from, or that the Supreme Court may issue a decision on Dobbs with opinion to follow. This would be a historic first for the court, but so is leaking a draft majority opinion, bashing of the MAGA-inspired court majority by the White House. It's never happened before in history either. And meanwhile, the pro-abortion caucus labels safe, legal, <coughs> and rare abortion rhetoric as harmful language. Remember a time when the liberals like Hillary used this language? Apparently such language has been backed 
or banned by the woke left. KTAR reported that Democrat pro-abortion candidate for Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs said this week she vows to work on rolling back abortion restrictions if she becomes governor. I'm sure that's going to be well-received by the Arizona voters. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Fellow Democrat Maricopa County attorney candidate Julie McGonigal said if she's elected, her office will not prosecute abortion cases. It seems to be a trend. And we've got Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs saying he won't commit to complying with the illegitimate January 6th subpoena, saying, I don't want to dignify what they're doing. Biggs is one of five Republicans singled out for interrogation by the Pelosi kangaroo court. I don't blame any of them for resisting this illegal committee. The Wall Street Journal reports California parents say no to anti-Semitic ethnic studies as activists not satisfied with CRT and gender bending of students are now pushing curricula that portrays Israel as a settler state founded on genocide. The Wall Street Journal says if the Liberated Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum Consortium introduced in Los Angeles area schools, it is likely to be deployed elsewhere also. Israel and Jews are only the first of the left's perceived ideological enemies to be denounced on the public dime. If proponents of the curriculum aren't stopped, other enemies and their denunciations are likely to follow. Ruskies say Finland's NATO bid is a threat and vows retaliatory steps. Good job, Finland, and welcome to Finland and Sweden to the into, into NATO. The dictator Putin knows this is a block to the bear's northwest flank, and he's pissed. And from Phoenix KTAR radio reports, Arizona Doug Ducey says he will offer illegal, intra- illegal entrance transportation to Washington, D.C., joining Texas Governor Abbott's lead. In the courts, Arizona and nearly 20 other states are waiting to hear an answer on their lawsuit fighting the end of Section 42 before it is set to expire next week. We need to send them to San Francisco and Delaware. Well, they may be going there too, but I like the fact that they're gonna they got to see these guys in D.C. Let them let them know what the rest of the world lives under. You may have heard young mothers are desperate to find baby formula. One of the females on The View called Bette Midler compassionately suggested that mothers try breastfeeding. It's free and readily available. Hmm. Joe Biden suggested perhaps he needed to take action to restore supplies of formula because it was in the news, giving one more reason for moms not to support Democrats this fall on top of runaway inflation and violence in the streets. The CDC reported that the U.S. overdose deaths hit 107,000 men and women last year. A separate report showed an out-of-proportionate amount of fentanyl right here has been seized in southern Arizona. Yet, Tucson's Democrat mayor, council, board of supervisors, and law enforcement continues to support open borders and lower funding for law enforcement. These are the same officials out to lunch also ignoring what could be a record third year for homicides. Let me put that 107,000 deaths into perspective. That's the equivalent of two Southwest Airlines jets crashing every day for an entire year. And nobody cares about these And people. nobody cares. Yeah. 
if that were to happen with Southwest Airlines crashing two jets every day for a year, there'd be a bloodbath in D.C. trying to get this thing solved. And yet, these guys not only don't care, they want to open the borders even wider. Yep, sure do. Lastly, the CCP continues to probe and harass Taiwan defense forces by air and sea, using some of the same tactics as Putin used pre-invasion against Ukraine. In other Red China news, a new stooge has been appointed to rule in Hong Kong, and the Vatican has been mum on harassment by the Xi administration uh, of Catholic clergy. While America and its allies are occupied with funding Ukraine defense, the CCP continues to be squelching civil rights and, a potent, and are potentially ramping up for an invasion of their own in Taiwan. That's the rundown. When we return, one of the most effective voices for Second Amendment rights in America, Todd Rathner, joins us to talk about something not discussed often enough, knife rights, and especially what that means to minority Americans. Thanks for listening to Inside Track. We'll be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? <sighs> no, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again. Look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our Constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Our guest for the next several minutes is an old friend, former NRA board member, activist, and Second Amendment lobbyist, Todd Rathner. Hey, Todd, how are you? Hey, Ab, how are you? Doing well. We've got Bruce here. We've got Eric Rudin here, the pest guy. Not He's not a pest. He's, he, <laughs> well, sometimes he's, he's, he's the one that gets rid of pests. Hey, we know all the work you've done on constitutional carry and many other Second Amendment issues, but let's talk about knife rights under the Second Amendment and why is that... Uh, why does that not draw any attention that the guns do? Well, Ed, thanks for having me on. And hey, Bruce. Um, and uh, was it Eric? Yes, yes, Eric. Yeah. Hey, Eric. So, look, I think I think that in some places it does draw attention, some, and in other places it doesn't. However, um, we have to remember about 
uh, about carrying a knife is is that many, many, many more people are carrying knives for things other than self-defense, unlike a firearm, which you carry primarily for self-defense. Um, people are not carrying uh, knives primarily for self-defense. It, in most cases, they're carrying it as a tool that they use in their everyday work. Uh, and and there's no there, there's very little politics involved in in the in in the argument when when it comes right down to it because people that are food service workers and factory workers and union members and all kinds of all kinds of trades or Charles Heller carry a knife or yeah, or Charles Heller will ca- we'll carry a knife um, every single day uh, for other purposes for opening boxes and for cutting up food and for other things like that. So what's happened is is that in places like New York City where people were actually getting arrested for carrying a, what, what amounts to a pocket knife, uh, the Legal Aid Society of the City of New York and the ACLU uh, and the NYPD released data from a study, or actually it was multiple studies, that of the 6,000 people a year being arrested for knife possession, simple knife possession in the City of New York, 80, 84 or 86% of them were african-american or hispanic and so when we point this out to people uh folks on the left all of a sudden perk up because they realize that this is more about criminal justice reform and lessening the interactions between um people of color and and the police and and the left you know has taken up that mantra that that they want to you know reduce interactions between the police and people of color, and and this actually is one way that they can they can actually do it, that it actually works. So that's that's why it has been sort of a different. Well, it's a different it's a different pitch when it comes to lobbying, but it's also um, it's also the truth, and and it's just handled differently by folks that are on the left uh, than than the gun issue is. So I have a bunch of different knives. And I look at it, you know, as something that I carry every day. But in New York City, some of the knives that I own, you used to be able to not legally carry at all or possess, or you would go to jail. Um, so what's – but two of the knives that we're going to talk about, what's the difference between an automatic knife and a switchblade? Nothing. So an automatic knife and a sw- – switchblade is the old term that that was around in the – in the 40s and 50s and after World War II when GIs were coming back from uh, serving in Italy and in Germany, um, they brought back some of these um, what were then called switchblades, <clears throat> which is essentially a knife where you push, you push a button or, or otherwise actuate a spring um, and, and the knife, the blade deploys from the handle, either side, uh, either you know, as a lever, like a like a side deployment, or out the front, which comes out out of the center of the uh, of the handle. <clears throat> so there really is no difference. That what what happened is is that over the years, the industry um, changed the description to automatic knife instead of switchblade uh, because the statutes banned switchblades and and not necessarily. Having a definition uh, didn't didn't ban automatics. However, most states uh, that banned them um, put in a definition that would fit 
all the other you know all the other automatic knives. And when, so, when most people think switchblades or or uh, uh, gravity knives, they think of pachucas, you know, in the in the inner city, you know, Puerto Ricans and, and others, or West Side think, Story, or, yeah, or you think about mobsters, you know, mafia guys who are who are killers, you know. I mean, is that part of the this sort of the bias that that then changed later on? Yes, I mean that's that's that is what the bias was. And it was manufactured. Now, look, the, all of this was manufactured by by the press. We have evidence of that on on the Knife Rights website, where, where there are articles linked, which is knifrights.org. Um, there are articles linked there that date back to the 50s. Uh, there are one or two particular journalists who really dug into this issue in a bunch of women's magazines, and and the whole point of what they were trying to do, literally, and I'm I'm not shy about saying it is, is scare white women. I mean, that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to scare moms, uh, what we would today call soccer moms, and scare the hell out of them. Why? Because um, it's it, it was a way to sell magazines back then, uh, and and it was a way to keep people interested. Some politicians picked up on it. And then passed model legislation in, in some states and then the federal switchblade act uh, at the federal level. Um, but, yes, what they tried to do was portray this as I mean, there are literally articles that say that if your son gets one of these knives, he's 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 more likely to be involved with a gang or more likely to join a gang. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, and And there was no evidence that these types of knives were used in in crime any more than any other type of knife and to this day we know that the knife most likely uh to be used in a crime is a kitchen knife and that's just because of availability uh because they're ubiquitous so yes there is a racial element to it uh and there always has been i was told in texas that well the republicans will never support a repeal on the Texas ban on switchblades uh, because uh, they, they think that every um, person of Mexican descent is going to be running around with a switchblade. Completely racist comment, completely false, by the way. The Republicans supported our ban, our, our repeal on the ban of switchblades in 2013 in Texas unanimously, and we brought along a ton of Democrats because of the criminal justice reform argument. Hey, tell us about Freddie Gray and your work on knife rights. Well, the 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 Freddie Gray case uh, knife rights did not was not I don't want to I don't want to conflate the two things knife rights was not involved with Freddie the Freddie Gray case in any way however uh, the Freddie Gray case is an example of of what we do of of why we do what we do at knife rights uh, which is to repeal these um, ridiculous bans on certain types of knives and also enact preemption which prevents cities and towns from enacting their own knife law. So um, the Freddie Gray case was that, that Freddie Gray, and you, you can look this up, and it, it's, it's verifiable. Freddie Gray was carrying a pocket knife, and the clip, the pocket clip was exposed and could be seen. And so the police officer that stopped him initially said, hey, come over here. Let me see what you got in your pocket there. And that, that began the encounter that, that ultimately ended in Freddie Gray's death. Now, how he died and who's responsible has has been adjudicated. 
Um, there's, you know, there's all kinds of, there's a bigger, much bigger story to this than the knife. However, the knife is what started the encounter. And as it turns out, the knife was legal under Maryland law, but illegal under Baltimore ordinance. And that is why we need preemption in, in all the other states that we're working in. Because once we repeal the ban on, on different types of knives, what we've seen is cities and towns and other political subdivisions enacting their own stupid knife laws and people still being in jeopardy thinking, oh, well, the state repealed it. I'm safe. I can carry what I want. And then only to find out that some city decided they were going to pass their own ordinance. So um, the Freddie Gray case is a, is a tragic example of what happens when, A, you have a conflict in state from the state law and local municipal law, and B, when you have a stupid law on the books that makes absolutely no sense banning a particular knife uh, because of the way it opens. I'm going to be in New York City in the next couple of weeks. Is my automatic I'm knife sorry. legal? Yeah, I am too. Is my automatic <laughs> knife legal there? No, it's not. Um, automatic knives uh, are not legal in the state of New York. What, what, what we were able to do was um, repeal the ban on gravity knives in New York. And believe it or not, uh, Andrew Cuomo was forced to sign it. And Letitia James, the attorney general of the state of New York, uh, was one of the strongest advocates at the end. At the very end, once the bill passed, she advocated for the governor to sign it when the data was presented to her of who exactly was being arrested. Um, no, the automatic knives uh, or switchblades are, are still legal in the state of New York. Gravity knives are now legal to possess in the state of New York. The city has an ordinance against it. However, it's a violation. It is not a jail. It's not a jailable offense the way it was when it was a uh, when when it was a state crime. So um... I, I would suggest carrying. I would suggest carrying a very simple, uh, plain, innocuous-looking pocket knife. Um, Old timer, New York City. Yeah, and just don't and just you know keep it keep it in your pocket and not. Um, you know, not expose it to anybody. So now that we know that Ab's going to keep his pocket knife in his pants, um, <laughs> let's let's talk let's talk for a minute about the politics of knife rights. Um, much has been said about uh, the increasing numbers of Black and Latino voters going Republican. Isn't this a a, a direction that politically makes sense for Republicans for conservatives to get embracing? Uh, the concept of knife rights, because hopefully it is going to have an impact politically in future elections. Yeah, look, I think I think that I think it's even bigger than that, uh, Bruce. I think that that the the idea that um, that the idea that criminal justice reform is is a partisan issue makes no sense to me uh, as a as a conservative um who's who's been a conservative republican my entire adult life um i think that it's high time that republicans start looking at criminal justice reform differently um if we uh we ha how we allow the police to stop people simply to um have conversations with them and hope that they can find a crime doesn't make any sense. The jails are filling up. It costs taxpayer taxpayers hundreds and hundreds, billions 
billions of dollars. I was going to say hundreds of millions, but it's billions of dollars every year to keep people incarcerated for what what amount to victimless crimes. Uh, it's time for the Republican Party to actually take a look at criminal justice reform as an economic issue and as a as a freedom and liberty issue, because just stopping people on the street uh, to try to have a conversation with them to see if they're breaking some obscure law makes absolutely no sense from a liberty perspective, from a freedom perspective. Uh, this plays extremely well in the African-American and Hispanic communities. And uh, as far as knives go, absolutely, 100 percent, it makes sense. Everywhere I've made this argument, we've been able to get especially African-American uh, legislators on board. They get it and they get it right away. Um, lately, I've been seeing the Democratic Party sort of cracking down on some of these folks and saying, hey, you got to get with the program. These guys are really about the Second Amendment. They're really not about criminal justice reform. I've seen it rebuked in some states, but I've also seen them follow along in other states because they, they're towing the party line. We've got, we've got a good track record. The fact that we've got gotten the ACLU on in, oh, I don't know, more than half a dozen, maybe as many as 10 states, um, even the NAACP has gotten on board. They got on board in, in the New York case, um, on the New York bill. They also got on board in, in Washington state, uh, but that, that, that bill blew up and, and never got passed. But we did have bipartisan support there. And part of the reason we have bipartisan support there is because we're, we're able to talk with people of color and the African-American and Hispanic community about the fact that they're, they're the folks that are most likely to get arrested. They're also the folks most likely to take a plea. And when you tell legislators that, they're, that these folks are more likely to take a plea, now they've got a conviction. So if they get back into the criminal justice system again, there are instances where that then results in a felony. And guess what? You lose your right to vote. So now they can't even vote for these legislators. And, that, and if I can make that... Yeah, and Todd, that's why, this, that's why this really is a constitutional lesson for, for everybody to understand how these kinds of laws... Uh, that are antiquated and built upon, you know, really uh, urban legend, if you will, uh, don't yeah. make sense today. And that, you know, the more the the more people who are sort of innocently, you know, taken off to the side, uh, you know, with some of these frisks, frisk sort of uh, maneuvers, uh, they're more likely to end up, as you said, taking a plea because they can't afford to de to defend themselves, and that just leads to, uh, you know, potentially a life of lots of pain and misery. It's absolutely true. The other thing that we saw in New York and and I'm sure is happening in other urban communities is that they take the plea, they get a small fine, $150, $200 fine, and they walk away. And they're just happy that they're not in jail. But then they don't pay the fine. What happens when you don't pay the fine? Now, now there's a, a warrant issued for your arrest. And the cops are act actually actively out there looking for you because of a stupid fine over a stupid knife law for 150 bucks. Which in some states and in some jurisdictions, failure to pay the fine after a certain amount of time and after a certain number of contacts from from the court system now has a felony arrest warrant out for you. You're accruing interest and penalties on on the fine. Um, and, it, and it creates this this vicious cycle over what initially was a victimless crime. Todd Rathner, thanks for the work you've been doing, guaranteeing our freedoms for Gosh, it's over a quarter of a century. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. It's time for our bottom of the hour break. 
Um, Thank you. Knife rights, as we can see, are more important for self-defense. Thanks for joining us and come back soon. Don't be a stranger. Stay tuned, Insiders. There's much more to follow. We'll be right back with GOP candidate for U.S. House for CD6 down here in southeastern Arizona. Kathleen Wynn will be right back. Jamie Kipper and her father, Gary Kipper, from Tucson Iron and Metal. What are they going to see when they come through the gates? So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing. And then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through. But that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house. We sell literally anything made of metal. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. What you call Welcome it. back to Inside Track. Before we welcome Congressional Candidate Kathleen Wynn, let me remind all of our listeners, if you have a question or a comment for our guest, please call in on the Essential Pest Control live line, 790-2040. In an effort to give a platform to as many candidates running for local and federal office, we welcome our next guest, primary candidate for U.S. House in CD6, Kathleen Wynn. This is Kathleen's first run for a federal seat. She and her husband have seven children, 14 grandchildren. Kathleen graduated from the U of A with a degree in communications. (laughs) That was Bruce. (laughs) And she was a local reporter in Tucson until she left to uh, get into marketing and advertising. Which is where they all go. Which is where they all go. (laughs) And one of Kathleen's clients suggested she get a real estate license. And she spent 27 years in banking, lending, and real estate. She's also been an activist and an advocate for women who have been enslaved, brutalized, and abused by the border cartels. So let's get right into it. Kathleen, how are you? I'm terrific, and thank you for having me today. You are more than welcome. Listen, the situation at the border is awful and will probably get a lot worse before it gets better. You've got DHS Secretary Mayorkas insisting that the federal government has operational control. Look, Bruce and I are just civilians. We both believe it looks pretty screwed up to us. What's your assessment of the border today? Well, I think a lot of people think this is incompetence, but I think it's intentional. Uh, the border is is a mess. I don't think anybody can look at what's happening there. We have 
thousands and thousands of people coming in our country each month, uh, hundreds of thousands, actually. We have uh, seized enough fentanyl to kill every man, woman, and child in this country seven times over. We continue to see trafficking. Last month in Cochise County, which is part of our district, um, uh, about oh, 60 children came across and all had the same phone number on their hand, and we turned them over to one man because we'll turn them over to relatives. So that tells me that we are complicit with the trafficking of children. Uh, you have over 160 different countries coming. There's, you're not supposed to country skip when you come to a country. So clearly, um, we are not in control of our border, and then we're sending trillions of dollars across the world to deal with somebody else's war. I think, I think our priorities are really screwed up. Let's go back to the, com- uh, let's go back to the uh, comment that you made. You believe it's deliberate. For what purpose? What end game? Well, if you destabilize a country, if you are allowing the cartels to profit, um, and the cartels are the ones that are profiting right now from the sale of guns and drugs and human beings. Um, I tell people like, when I'm out campaigning, like, this is not the America we grew up in. Who benefits from a weakened America? It's not a and much of, of what's being funded right now is being funded by the Chinese government, whether it be, be the fentanyl or funding the Mexican and Central American cartels. And they've organized them. These are organized crime rings, and they're benefiting from it. So, so we are not benefiting from this. So how much, how much worse is it going to get if and when Title 42 is lifted? Title 42 is the um, only thing that is keeping us from having an all-out invasion at the border. And so when Title 42 goes away, we have no restrictions on keeping anybody out of the country. There's currently, I think, 3,000 Russians sitting outside of Yuma County right now uh, that are not being allowed in. Wait, say that one. Wait, stop. 42. Stop. Go back. There's Say that again. 3,000 what? 3,000 Russian Russians. citizens. Russian, you know, because Russia is so close to Mexico. Well, it's a border. <laughs> it's a border state. It's a. <laughs> it, it's between Guatemala and Mexico. It's somewhere out there. So, but there's three thousand Russians, and 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 something else I'll just share with your, with you and your listeners, which is before Russia and um, Ukraine started fighting, months before we had Russian and Ukraine immigrants showing up at our borders, so they obviously knew that that was going to happen. Um, I, I think we need to understand that this is an organized effort, that we can't be naive about it, and that we need to start to hold our current elected leaders accountable for what's happening at our border. Um, somebody needs to say that this is a terrorist action and we need to stop what's so, happening. So, so if you've got Brandon in the White House basically opening up the floodgates, what can be done at the state level? Well, at the state level, you've got you've got governors, <laughs> you've got attorney generals, you've got um, you've got an ability to enforce laws. We, what, what's happening is our county sheriffs that are on the border um, and their county attorneys. I know in Cochise County, which is in my district, um, Brian McIntyre is doing a great job. He's got a hundred percent conviction rate, so he's prosecuting people for any crimes they commit once they're in the country, like but, trespassing. But we have a weak by trespassing, by, you know, assault, right. uh, robbery, whatever, whatever it is. So he's, he's prosecuting those crimes. But at the same time, you can use um, federal laws 
and we're not. So the, the, the um, Border Patrol, uh, U.S. Marshals, all the people that could be used are being told to stand down. So I think that what we have to do is, is we have to engage our, our current elected leaders to do something. Texas is doing things. Florida is doing things. We are just going on the media and talking about it. It's ineffective. And we have to be more effective. So and we have resources that we can use. So with that being said, uh, it's possible the Republicans are going to take control of Congress this November. If they, I hope so. If they do an Andy Biggs impeachment resolution moves forward, would you vote to impeach Secretary Mayorkas? Absolutely. He's incompetent, and he's, and he's dangerous. Um, you, you, you can't not say that we are not under attack right now. You can't. There are people walking in our country every day in military fatigues, not U.S. not U.S. military, uh, with weapons. You could. You're not allowed to do that in any other country. We're not checking to see who's here. We we have hundreds of thousands of getaways. We we are transporting people out of the state all across the country. I rode on a plane two weeks ago with four people that maybe spoke English, but the rest of the plane didn't speak English and didn't speak Spanish. They were, there was from others, some other country and they were being flown to Washington, DC. Wow. We have no idea who's coming through our state. We have no accountability and people are profiting from that. Yeah. And the question it, is who's profiting and why don't we stop it? Yeah. And so you've got people counting on the president to protect the border using title 42 under a health emergency provision. Isn't the real answer to stopping this, restoring President Trump's Remain in Mexico policy? It's one of the answers. You also have to, and and, and yes, that was very effective. And President Trump, we we didn't have this under President Trump. As a matter of fact, we were getting a a good control over trafficking and some other issues. We were, it was headed in the right direction. We have had a 75% increase in crime at the same time, a 25% decrease in, in prosecution. We're not prosecuting crimes. We're not holding people accountable. We have no idea where the people are that have come into our country. So besides uh, the stay in Mexico policy, we also need to close our borders down and identify who's here. We don't know who's in our country. The last time that happened was 9-11 when people flew planes into buildings. We have no idea. There's 160 different countries in our country right now, and we have no idea if there's cells organizing. We just don't know. So and, and that's dangerous. And my Mayorkas is in charge of that. He needs to go. Kathleen Bruce here. Um, I want to I want to talk with you uh, for a second. Um, I understand uh, we, we we usually think of mules in relation to illegality across our borders, but it seems like the mm-hmm. 2020 election was infected by a new sort of mule. Um, have you watched 2,000 yes. Mules? What's your reaction? Not only to, did I. What's your reaction to yeah, the movie? And since our elections are run by each of our 50 states plus the territories, how much danger is there in the next election uh, that might be influenced by lack of enforcement, bending the rules, and outright cheating? And what can you as a member of Congress do to reduce that impression that the United States has become a banana republic when it comes to our elections? Well, that's a lot of questions, Bruce, so I'm going to try to break it down. Um, first of all, I am personal friends with Catherine Engelbrit, and Catherine Engelbrit was the source She's a patriot. of the information. She's a total patriot, true the vote. She's endorsed my candidacy. She, uh, there's indictments that have happened in Yuma as a result of her work. They have over 4 million minutes, think about this, 4 million minutes of video 
that show people doing illegal actions, not only in Arizona, but in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Um, we had over 207,000 votes in Arizona that we um, can't tra- tra- back, trace back to an original voter. Um, and as we know, the, the difference between Biden and Trump was 10,000 votes. As as we know, the elections are run by the states as we want them to. We do not want to federalize Correct. our elections. No HR1. We want to no HR1, exactly. So it's important as a member of Congress that we make sure that we uh, keep the voter rolls current. My dead father voted in the last election. He'll be gone 10 years this October. He voted from an address he lived at prior to where he passed away. Uh, I have three daughters who got ballots who haven't lived in the state for years. They hadn't requested them, but yet they were there. That's just one household. So we have to get a, and we have to have a, a, a the Secretary of State has to give us their uh, rules. If this happens, we have no, there's nothing in the, in the, uh, I can't think of the name of the booklet that she has that she's supposed to publish that she's the elections, the, over. the elections manual. It, thank you. The elections manual, that has to be updated current, and we have to uh, remove any outside influences. Mark Zuckerberg provided uh, election boxes. We have, uh, we had mules clearly. Uh, stuffing the ballot boxes. We have to know who's voting. We have to show um, identity, uh, you know, in, identification. One of the things that, that we had last year in our, in our, or two years ago now in our election was 100,000 federal ballots. When you register to vote federally, you don't have to show ID. So there's so many places where we need to have accountability and responsibility, and we need people doing those jobs. So this next election is critical. But this legislative session is still going on, and I would encourage people to talk to their state legislators to see what election laws we're going to walk away with out of this session that can guide and protect our elections. And also ask everybody who is able to be a poll watcher or work at the polls um, to watch the process. We need intelligent people who are paying attention. Hey, Kathleen, I want to go back uh, for just a second to the border. Um, Mark Esper, uh, who was Secretary of Defense in the final months or year or so of the Trump administration, wrote a book. And um, uh, they asked me to to have him on the show. I said, no, thanks. Any any official like a Secretary of Defense who... who, um, writes a book and you know profits from uh, doing a tattletale book uh, is not anybody I'd be interested in hearing from. But one of the things that, that he revealed, he says, was that President Trump talked in, in a meeting with him about uh, sending cruise missiles in to blow up fentanyl factories and some of the other cartel headquarters. And, boy, you think that everybody's head was going to blow off, you know, when they heard that. Oh, you know, how dare the United States of America threaten Mexico? You know, but there's a bunch of people who <laughs> sort of been thinking about it twice or three times and saying, hmm, you know, maybe that's something that the President Trump should have said. And why didn't we? Um, what, what sort of a military response, if any... Uh, if you were if you were a member of Congress, would you be uh, talking about and suggesting for the United States to do if you had that opportunity? Well, I think we have to we have to really look at the damage that is being done. If we we lost a hundred thousand young people, eighteen to thirty four, thirty five last year, to fentanyl death, 
we we have to look at the dam- damage and dangerous uh, situations that, is, that has been created by trafficking, all of those things that are being done by outside influences, people that are not Americans, that are in, operating inside our country. And I think we... I would say we have to declare them a terrorist organization, and then and you have to do that first because then if you go and bomb or do anything like that or you take out those plants, I, I don't know if bombing's the right thing, but we certainly could use military operations to We did it in Central and South America for years, yeah, absolutely and, and, and we no, did. nobody said right. a word about it. Yeah. I think it's just you the know, fact you, that Trump you, Bruce, talked about I think about you guys it. know this. My my husband, my husband spent his entire career in Army aviation. Right. And 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 so during Desert Storm, they went out and they took out the the, the satellites so that they could go in and do their their work. Um, back in the in, in the nineties, I think that we have a lot of uh, military power that we're using improperly. Um, I worry about what the Biden administration they're trying to purge thirty percent of our military right now. So we have to we have to declare them a terrorist organization and then go in and take out their operations and i the think the biden administration I, I would ask the biden admi- oh are they going to do it <laughs> no we declare them a terrorist organization it's a different t or it's a different t organization but yes they're 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 uh they are just treasonous people they they are not for this country i, I mean we're not talking about china we're talking about russia and ukraine it's a distraction and they are masterful at distracting us from what we need to do Kathleen, what pushback are you going to get for america yeah what pushback are you going to get if you declare them a terrorist organization now bear in mind half the people are going to be for you but what are they going to say? Here's the thing. You know, the job of Congress is to get pushback, right? You're, you're always upsetting someone, either your constituency or the other side. I, I'm not, I don't care about pushback. Pushback is the job of Congress. We need to go back to our Constitution. We need to follow the rule of law. We need to stand up for our morals and our values and, and restore American uh, patriotism, American freedom, and use the Constitution, we are obliterating that every day. We are weakening our stance on everything, um, and the other side is trying to eliminate um, anything that that we had in place when President Trump was president. Kathleen, And, and look at the country. Kathleen, that brings up my our next question. Nina Jan- Jankowitz, Please. a new member of the Biden cast of characters at DHS, um, definitely um, this uh, Ministry of Disinformation. Um, yes, okay. I wanted to make sure that was the right person. Right, yes. right. Uh, now, I, I, we're going to ask you the same question we ask all candidates running for election, because this woman and others like her in the administration, they are eroding, as you said, our, our civil rights. Tell our listeners the stated purpose of government. Oh my gosh, you're going to make me do um, the stated purpose of government. I, I'm not going to get this today. I apologize. I it's it, it, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We we are. Um, it is our job to uphold um, the freedoms of this country. Well, you got and it. You got it. Eventually, you got it. Eventually, <laughs> the purpose of government is to I protect know. the rights of all of its citizens against the government. Right. So, if if you're against six, the government, yes. So if you're successful becoming a member of Congress, what action would you advocate in a GOP-controlled Congress to protect free speech? Well, you can't have a a czar or whatever the hell her title is to control what we're saying. That's absurd. There's not freedom of speech. That's oppression. That's oppression. 
And so, and this woman, by the way, has an agenda, um, and and it's that's it's why they hired her. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But, but, but but think about this: we don't suppress um, getting into the hands of children. We don't suppress hyper-sexualized content. We don't suppress gender studies or critical race theory or any of those things. But somehow one woman we're going to give her all the power like the dr fauci of speech to tell us what we can and cannot say uh, this is such a bad idea but that's all they come up with if, if, if there was a award for bad ideas they would win but this is this is this is criminal and if we don't legally challenge her ability to do her job and what she's doing i don't know if you want to wait for congress to get there but if that hasn't happened by the time i get there i'll, I'll be happy to make this the top priority that our freedoms of speech is the most important one of the most important. yeah we're talking to we congressional to to. yeah we're talking to congressional candidate Kathleen Wynn tell our listeners how they can access your website and help the campaign by donating i'd love that thank you so win for congress w i n n for congress.com um, please go there please that donate the letter, have a donate is button. that the number or four written out it's a f o r spelled out i do i do spelling W-I-N-N-F-O-R, congress.com. And uh, my tagline is Arizona Needs a Win, or, and help me win back America, both with two ends. And um, I am happy to come and speak to anybody that, that wants to hear our expanded platform and what we're doing. I have been fighting trafficking for 12 years in this state, bringing technology and working with law enforcement. I'm very strong on the military, strong constitutionalist. And um, I would love the opportunity to restore the servant leader in this district. We have not had a representative in this district for a very long time, and it's time that we hand this seat back to the people. Well, this is a big district. Are we going to see you here in Tucson? You are. I, I live here. I, oh, I thank God. Just north of the, she really does, just north of she the, really does live in oh, the she's, district. She's not a carpetbagger. <laughs> okay, hey, no, Kath, no. Kathleen, we've got three minutes and 23 seconds left. Uh, you've held yes. a county office in the Phoenix Community College System. Juan is the first-time yes. candidate for Congress. This would be a third try for Brandon Martin. Safe to say uh, you three would probably be the top tier of the candidates for most of the Republican voters. Give us two reasons Correct. why you would make a better choice for Congress than the other two. Number one, I don't need the job. This is not a career move for me. Both of my opponents need a job. Uh, Ducey's term is up, and Juan's been working for Ducey, and, and Brandon needs a job. I, I have a, I, I'm doing this for country. I'm doing this to restore um, the seat and restore the freedoms in this country, and I have the strongest resume. I've actually been working on this just, these issues for quite some time. And I served four years in the attorney general's office as the community outreach director, where I helped identify where crimes were being committed against our citizens and then found real solutions for them. I'm the only one who's done that. And I'm the only one that's running between those three that's drafted legislation and gotten laws passed that protect our children and create stiffer penalties for those that exploit, rape, and traffic human beings. So I am ready to day one to do this job i feel i would absolutely represent this district and i have dealt with constituent services and done an amazing job not because i said so but because no, you the have. People i'm, in I'm the very office. familiar with your work you've done a great job with that thank you bruce i appreciate that and i would be willing to do that again 
this is this is as someone said to me earlier today this is for all the marbles and i have paul gosar's endorsement i have the right women which is the wives of the freedom caucus and they interviewed hundreds of women and they picked three and i'm their top choice i am excited to go serve the people of, of southern arizona don't make the mistake that this is a uh, an appointment this is an election and you have a voice and please use me to be your voice in congress Kathleen, we've got one minute and 20 seconds left. Number one top priority, should you get elected? I believe the number one top priority is to secure our border and to uh, eliminate any um, illegal and uh, criminal activities that are happening in our country, and they can be done simultaneously. So I think that's our top priority, um, and and just make our country safe. We've Including in that, we have to continue to uh, revitalize our military and support our police officers. I think they all go hand in hand. Kathleen, we got to run. Finally, we got to run. It's, t- yeah, it's that time. Evan, I hope Congress.com. you. Well, wait, one more time. Give us that again slower, please. At the speed of the pen. Is, is... Winforcongress.com, W I N N F O R, Congress.com. Kathleen Wynn, Arizona needs a win. Thank you, gentlemen. Hey, best of luck to you. Evan, I hope you enjoyed the show today with Todd Rather and Kathleen Wynn. Our show is podcast on both KVOI and Apple Podcasts. Until next week, when we have another great show planned, including a physician guest talking about a new way to help patients and another special guest or two for Inside Track. This is Bruce Ash and Eb Wilkinson. Thanking you for listening in today. We'll see you again in 167 hours. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the the cities and counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street at seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.